The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callahan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. Everyone says they want to do more to help the environment and cut down the single-use disposable goods problem. But quite often, convenience and good intentions can clash. Take takeaway coffee cups. Every year, Kiwis release 300 million coffee cups into landfill and nature. And even when cups are compostable, they most often are not composted. Only one in 400 compostable cups goes to the compost. On hearing this, you've probably got the same shiver of knowing guilt. I did. (laughs) Many people have keep cups, but not everyone always has their keep cup on them, and then there aren't many choices. Well, one Kiwi company is out to change that. Again Again offers a service where users can pay $3 to borrow a reusable stainless steel cup with a lid, bring it back, and you will get your 3 bucks back, and the cafe will wash it for future use. It saves cafes money on takeaway cups, and it reduces waste. So far, it's helping remove 840,000 cups a year from the waste stream, and it's only just getting started. The company co-founder and MD, Nada Piantic, joins us now by Zoom for a chat about how 20 years of entrepreneurship and sustainability initiatives led to this concept, the raise, and the goals of the company. Tenakwe, thank you for being here. Kiora, nice to be here too, Simon. Hey, so tell me, what were you working on when this idea came to you? As uh, there's a really long kind of history of sustainability work that you have done. Hey, well, sustainability and entrepreneur work. Um, prior to this, prior to setting up this company, I was working with the leadership team in at Sustainability Trust in Wellington. And my education team uh, was, were putting together a program that was supporting businesses to address the waste uh, in their offices. And um, through that work, I could see that there was uh, a lot of a lot of willing participants, but no systems to support change. And so I had a light bulb moment. I quit my job the next day and started uh, working on it. A bit of Google research. Um, showed me that I was by far not the first person to have come up with this idea, but it was certainly new to New Zealand. And um, and yeah, the rest has come from there. And so talk us through what that kind of light bulb moment was. What was the idea that you thought could, yeah, like um, take that intention and turn it into action? Yeah, it was a a, um, sleepless night. 
So we, part of what we were doing or part of what my education team was doing was doing waste audits in the offices. And so we were literally um, tipping out the bins and looking to see what the waste was made up of. Um, and a scary proportion of that is was essentially um, personal or almost quite domestic waste. It wasn't actually the commercial waste that you might think would come of um, workplaces. And we were in a discussion talking about the the sort of the oxymoron, the, the contrast of a paper cup actually having a plastic liner and that it was a two-part system. And so I started to I started to sort of take that apart and and imagined at that point the idea that there would be two parts, but instead of having the plastic liner, it would be a, it would be a stainless steel uh, liner. We actually moved, eventually we moved away from that um, and then actually came full circle and came back to it again. Um, the system that we have settled on with the stainless steel cup also has a paper sleeve engaged in it and or involved in it. And that's not perfect. It would be better still if it wasn't there. Um, but nonetheless, it is, we believe and we continue to um, back the best material choices to create the greatest impact across the greatest um, proportion of the, of the industry. Right. So, so you had the idea that maybe coffee cups were a really good place to start and that maybe stainless steel could uh, be something reusable. How did you go about kind of taking that idea and piloting it with the, the cafes and, and working out kind of the actual model around it? So initially we um, initially we did what every entrepreneur does and ask their mates. <laughs> and so we threw around lots of different ideas. Uh, we threw around not starting with coffee cups too, actually, because the, the conversation very quickly leads to all of those other industries, you know, curry boxes and sushi trays that uh, have the same problem. We came back to coffee cups because it's a small unit, which means that we could do it without tech to get started. That, of course, will change in coming months. But but initially, we, we wanted to use a cash-first model because we really wanted to set it up and pilot what it could look like before we invested uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the tech platform. Uh, the next stage was to go to the cafe owners and road test with them what it looked like, what the workflow looked looked like. And at that stage, we were also still not decided on the material. So we tested a few different types of material before we did come back and settle on stainless steel. Um, and that test process um, we undertook primarily with People's Coffee, who are a really ethical-based um, company, also based in Wellington, and 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 also you know, thoroughly lovely people who were prepared to give something a whirl and, and, and test it with us. So that process took another couple of months um, and a number of samples that came over, we um, sourced in China, so the samples had to come from there. And then once we had settled on uh, a workflow and the materials of the, um, we call it fleet, the cups and lids, then we went out to uh, 14, well, what ended up being 14 cafes in the Wellington region and asked them to become um trial partners. So at that point, we had 2,000 cups and we uh, worked with these 14 cafes. We took all the risk. We, we didn't charge them anything. It was all based on the work. Uh, all the, all the um, development and trial work was covered by Again Again. And we, uh, we, we set up a pilot, a bit like you do a scientific experiment. We hypothesized that this could work. And so we put it in place and we measured 
And so that measurement really looked at how much was it used, what do people what do people like about it, what do they not like about it. Through the pilot program, which was about 10 weeks, we were getting data from the cafes about, about that, how much it was being used. But we were also um, surveying our people, our sort of our early adopters, to see how they felt about it. At the end of that 10-week pilot, uh, the results came back really positive and actually all 14 of those cafes chose could see the value in it, both in terms of the environmental impact but also in terms of the cost savings that they were making and uh, chose to continue on with our commercial program and pay for it. So that, cool. that was a validation process that was, um, you know, extraordinarily successful. Uh, it hasn't been extraordinarily successful in every case but certainly it was successful it was it was a, a strong indicator of success that gave us the confidence to then invest more money and um, take it further and was it kind of a hard thing to because it's a behavior change like was it which is a hard thing to do was it a hard thing to communicate to those cafes and to the consumers to get them on board with it and yeah talk us through how it actually kind of works in practice like just someone walks in and like they go hey instead of a takeaway cup do you want to pay three bucks and take this and then we'll give you three bucks back next time you bring it back <laughs> you do a great job um, you've hit the nail on the head behavior change is really hard uh, providing infrastructure and systems is actually pretty easy in comparison to that nonetheless you have to have really seamless systems in order to be able to have a fighting chance of that behavior change change so we are confident that we have nailed the workflow um, but it is an ongoing challenge to communicate that to customers. And what we do find is that when the system goes into cafes who are either so busy that they simply don't have the time on the counter to be able to have that behaviour change conversation, or conversely, they've bought into it because it looks good and they like the idea, but they're not really behind it. And so, the, again, the conversation is not had, even if they're is time to have the conversation, that's where we see the least success of the system. Uh, conversely, in the cafes where there are passionate champions on the counter, the system is used so well and creates so much impact, but also creates so much in terms of cost savings for the companies that we, we have um, yeah, a, very, a very high success rate in those, uh, in, those, in those cafes. And in the practice for the consumer, like... If you pay the three bucks and get it to take away with you, are you able to next time you go back to one of the cafes in the um, system, bring that, that that cup back and then just kind of swap it for another one of those cups and go away with another one of those cups so you don't have to cash out your three bucks each time? Yep, totally. So, uh, so the way that it works is that we provide a fleet of cups and lids that sit on top of the coffee machines. A customer can choose to use an again-again cup as a um, replacement to the single-use cup that they would otherwise have had. They pay $3 for the privilege of that, and then when that th when the cup comes back to any of our network partners, then that $3 is fully refunded. Uh, in theory and contractually, the end user has got two weeks to bring the cup back. In practice, we don't police that, but we certainly message that this is not about purchasing the cup, it's about, it's about buying into a shared system. What we do find is that sometimes people um, take their first cup and they're like, woohoo, cheap, personal, reusable cup. And they think that they're uh, winning and gaming the system. Um, and then they forget it. And they, they, they get another one because they've worked out now that they can do it without the waste. And 
once people reach three or four cups, then they start to understand that it's a circular system because actually, in reality, people don't want three more of their own cups and they start to build up on their desk or at home or in the car and that's when the circular system starts to work because they actually start to buy into it. Yeah, and by bringing it back and just going, hey, I'll give you this and can you give me another coffee and one of those, you don't have to do the three-buck change out every time, but you can kind of seamlessly keep the system moving in, in the circle, which is so nice. Yeah, you can. In essence, what you're describing is people using it like a personal reusable cup right, that they right. own. And that that's great, but in reality, they are not the people who we are who we are trying to change the behaviours of. People who have got the foresight to have their their personal reusable cup with them and clean when they order their coffee are already sorted. We don't want to we don't want to change those behaviours. We really want to face the people for whom they like the idea of doing better for the environment, but they simply are not organised enough to have their cup with them when they when they order. Um, but but of course those two groups of people overlap and actually the same people can be in both of those groups at different times. So if that's how they end up using it sometimes that's great too. If they uh, don't have it with them and they get another one, that also works. If they do have it with them and they're with mates who haven't got themselves sorted, then they probably become champions for someone else to start using the system. So uh, we are, uh, we're happy with all of those equations. The one thing we're not happy with, of course, is the single-use cup being used. And so anything that dis- displaces that and saves that cup from the tip is, um, is a great thing indeed. Yeah, and I was, you know, I found it remarkable to read in your um, pledge me uh, information that only one in four hundred compostable cups actually end up composted. Like that is wild. <laughs> it's actually worse than that because those th- those stats come from the UK, where there's actually some pretty robust. Um, uh, industrial compost systems in place in New Zealand. There's only ten or eleven who ten or eleven systems that will take those cups, but it's not the systems themselves that are the problem. It's getting this getting those cups back to those systems, and so um, it, increasingly we see these bins pop up at the coffee shop that say put your compostable cup in here, and and you know that's great too because it does feed those cups back into the right system, but in reality people get take away coffee because they're going away yeah. <laughs> so, so it's the collection you, that's you the need problem. the bin to follow them around exactly so and also those cups look indistinguishable from cups that have a plastic lining so even if those cups do end up at a facility that uh, that will compost pla that's the plastic liner that does compost the People who are working on those um, on those compost lines actually can't distinguish between them and the plastic ones, and so often they end up being pulled out manually by people who are are, are redu- trying to reduce the contamination of the compost uh, stream and ultimately create um, nutrient full compost that can go back to the earth. Yeah. So contamination is just as big a problem, and of course. Um, that, that gets even trickier when you have not just a lined cup, but a fully PLA uh, cup. So that's the clear plastic cups that you get juice in. Some of those too are compostable, but they, they just look overtly like plastic of the, um, of the 
fossil fuel variety and it just creates more confusion. Ultimately, by moving up the waste hierarchy and not producing the waste by first refusing and secondly reusing, um, then we can we can reduce that recycling problem. And I think it's becoming increasingly clear to all of us that recycling is, is simply not the answer. The stats yeah. are appalling. Something like only 13% of all plastics get recycled. So even even though there is an academic possibility to recycle, the reality is that it just isn't happening anywhere near the rate that can save us. Yeah, and I wonder if there's a certain degree of, because um, there are, you know, there's evidence that people throw compostable cups into the recycling as they kind of conflate uh, those kind of ideas. And also maybe there's kind of that idea that if it's compostable, then it's better that it's still a better choice than a normal one to throw in the rubbish. It'll be, you know, slightly better or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's... I mean, in fairness, it is very slightly better. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but solving, so if we go back to that stat of one in 400 cups, solving one quarter of a percent of the problem is, is really um, futile. It doesn't take us to where we need to need to go. Yeah, that's wild. And so mm. I imagine as a cafe owner, if you care about, you know, um, the, the world and your impact on it, if you drive around and see your cups and, you know, walk around and see your cups and all the bins and see your cups rolling around on the, the ground, you'd be pretty motivated to try and reduce the... Mm the waste coming out of your, your site. Yeah, you would hope so. And there certainly are vendors out there who are really motiv- motivated. But like everything in life, it's so little that it's easy to write it off. Oh, it's just a cup. It's just one cup. Um, certainly if you're a vendor, then it might be just 100 cups in a, you know, in a day period. But um, but there are lots of forces at play, and it is a journey for everyone. So there is also commercial reality, and COVID has really shined a light on that. Um, there needs to be systems in place that actually support um, commercial workflows, and that means that also means affordable workflows. So our system is uh, at its most commercial when a cafe is empowered to get rid of single-use cups altogether. And we've got some pretty remarkable stats on that. Um, Auckland Zoo last year bought their entire um, campus um, in underneath our system. They have five cafes and with quite a degree of courage said, that's it, if we've got something better, we're just not having single-use cups. They they stand to gain $50,000 a year on that because the difference between what they would have paid in the cups and what they have to pay us is, is really dramatic. It's a dramatic saving. Um, on a cafe-by-cafe cafe basis, that is a harder commercial decision to make because the, the cafes then risk that someone will walk across the road to get their coffee. It doesn't happen if your cafe is outside the lion den. <laughs> so people... Um, so I guess the zoo in that respect has a safer commercial um, environment to make a confident decision in. Um, but increasingly we see that cafes are doing that. We've got, I think, from memory 26 now, cafes around the country who have said, have called time and said, no, we're just not doing it anymore. And those cafes are on average saving about five to $7,000 per cafe per year. Wow. And then in terms of like, yeah, the, the zoos are perfect closed loop environment uh, as, as it does have, you know, <laughs> a, a, a fence around it. Uh, <laughs> Literally. But I guess you're kind of like expanding the, the, the fence 
uh, by every cafe of people who start to think of the whole environment as being a closed loop um, environment. And then in terms of kind of like um, getting the idea up and going, like, yeah, how, so do the cafes pay you a small fee, uh, but that $3 kind of lives as a deposit that then comes back to you at some point? Or how does that yes. work? Yes, absolutely. So we, so there's essentially two parts of what the cafes pay. The $3, um, they borrow the cup from us for $3 and then they online it for $3. So that part of it is cost neutral, although obviously there is a cash flow implication. The cafes also pay a monthly charge. And so that monthly charge um, essentially buys them out of the risk of losing the cup and that being a cost directly to them. Those cups uh, are worth more than the $3 that we loan them out for, um, but because we can purchase them at scale um, and in, at a volume, we can keep the cost down for us and therefore we can take some risk on it. Um, but yeah, the, the cafes are paying a monthly fee, a small, medium, large, 60 90 and $120 per month. But of course that needs to be considered in tandem with the offset cost of the single-use cups that they no longer purchase. The break-even point's about 15 to 20% if they're buying branded cups from a coffee roaster, um, but obviously that varies case by case. Yeah, wow. And so how's it, how's it gone with the growing? I mean, COVID has been such a difficult year for sustainability. Sure you know, is. like two things have had really big years, uh, elasticated pants and single-use plastic, like both just, you know, huge, huge tries. Yeah, you're absolutely right, uh, she says in her elasticated pants, feeling very comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, Very early on in the piece, before New Zealand even went into lockdown, both Starbucks and McDonald's called time and said we're not having reusable cups and uh, in hindsight, they, um, the science community would say that they, had, they made a mistake, that, that reusable cups are not, uh, reusable cups managed well are not a virus risk. Managed incorrectly, they are a virus risk, could be a virus risk, but actually so can single-use cups. Mm. Um, both McDonald's and Starbucks have now backed out of that and they are taking the reusable cups again. I suspect that their accounts department got hold of it and worked out how much more it was costing them. Um, and so in the absence of any scientific evidence to suggest that there was a problem from a virus perspective, they have gone back to it. I think um, there is... There is absolutely some concern around the virus, and we should be concerned. We should be careful. So I don't think that it's been unreasonable for for the public to ask the question. I do think that there is um, some assurance that the scientific community have supported that there is no increased risk of using reusable cups, and especially if there's a system in place like the Again Again system, or in fact all, all the systems that I'm aware of in New Zealand, that will um, will separate the used cup from and reissue a sanitised cup. So it actually potentially makes it more safe than a single use cup. Um, but it's um, it, it, I think the other thing that has happened is that people are people walk over discarded masks and see photos of piles of of single use medical equipment and if anything i think that potentially has made people more aware of the need to address this this outrageous behavior of using things once and then discarding it we just don't actually have that many resources we we will run out and we are running out and so people's awareness of that i think is heightened 
Yeah, absolutely. And then the crowdfund that's um, happening at the moment, what led you to want to, uh, to, to go to the crowd? Great question. So the crowdfund is uh, the the necessary step to green light the development that will take us further. So we spent the year prior to the COVID lockdown um, proving that the concept works, that the workflow is reasonable, that the public accepts it and their responsibility in bringing the cups back. All of those things line up. COVID, in some funny sense, gave us space to um, to be able to really put some forethought into into designing where we see our development stepping forward to. Up until that point, we often joked about um, flying the plane as it was driving the plane as it was as it was flying, because the demand up until that point had just been so so strong that we really hadn't had the time to be able to make those plans. So in some funny way, having the space that COVID bought um, allowed us to map out what we see the future to be. And we recognise that the cash system that we've got is uh, is excellent and we absolutely need to ca- keep cash in the equation because by having a cash system, we can empower cafes to get rid of single-use cups altogether. Cafes have to be able to sell coffee to every single person that walks through the door. And if we were asking them to only work with our app, that would limit them to who they could sell coffee with. So it would never be a, a commercially acceptable situation. But there is a pain point in the returns. And so some people just simply don't like cash. They don't want a handful of cash to return. If you're looking at um, businesses expensing coffees, they definitely don't want a handful of 10 returns. (laughs) So the cash returns are a problem for some people. And the technology will sort that out or create a a cashless uh, model where people can check out a cup, a bit like a library book. And as long as it comes back in a given time, then it will remain free and cashless. Um, But the technology platform also opens up the door for us to be able to work with any company to loan out any vessel that's appropriate to whatever it is that they're selling for whatever the appropriate period of time is and then returned to either the one cafe or or business or or multiple. And so that's where, for example, Garage Project comes in. Um, We uh, can see the eye-watering large opportunity that that opens up for us Um, but in order to start actually um, leveraging that and and taking advantage of that opportunity for our own business growth and for the um, for the potential waste reduction that that can um, create we need to build the tech and so that's where the crowdfunding has come from we are looking for investors who will support our kaupapa and help us to achieve that uh, impact for the planet. Yeah, wow, and that garage project, um, uh, pro- project <laughs> um, <laughs> that's to remove, so they've long identified their plastic flagons as not what they want to be doing, but haven't managed to find another system that, that, that makes sense uh, in that. How exactly would a project um, with them work? Right, so garage projects are really committed to their sustainability um uh, values and and throughout their entire business they they have implemented all sorts of um, actions that really speak to that commitment to sustainability but at the cellar door the 
Well, the point of the cellar door, of course, is to sell beer. They will fill up literally anything that you will bring in, that you bring in. But the hard, hard ugly truth is that most people don't get organised enough to bring their uh, flagon in. And so at the moment, the only option is for them to uh, pour your beer into a brown PET flagon. It's a really low-grade plastic. It potentially can be seen as a, um, as a contaminant to PET, which actually is um, recycled in New Zealand. Uh, but they can't make a commercial decision not to sell beer, so plastic flagons it is. What we will be co-designing with them is a workflow that will allow people to have their Again Again app in their pocket, so on their phone and in their pocket. When they rock up to buy their um, beer and they haven't had the forethought to bring their own um, reusable container, instead of taking a plastic container, there will be an option for them to take a... Uh, a yet to be decided, but probably a garage project glass flagon. These are already available to purchase, but of course at 10, at 10 bucks a pop, people don't do that every time. But going forward, people will be able to check out that flagon using their Again Again app, and it will be cashless and it will be free. They'll have a period of time with which um, during which they can clearly drink the beer and then bring the flagon back and at that point they will check it in and everybody is happy. If they keep it for a longer period of time than is, um, than is deemed appropriate and agreed on, then we would start to charge them a long-term rental uh, fee. If it never comes back, then we would charge them for the, for the value of the vessel. And of course, we would be, we would be managing all of that, but obviously passing that, some of that uh, through to Garage Project as well, because Garage Project will be the owners of those vessels until they're deemed to be lost. Yeah, it's cool. Like taking that friction out of um, being able to, to do stuff. So you don't, like once you've set it up once, being able just to go beep, bop, walk out, bring it back. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, and, like like a, like a video store, if you're a couple of days late, you pay a couple of bucks and that's the deal. Totally. And and so what I would envision, or what we envision, is that you'll have your app on your phone and you'll be able to wander up Arrow Street and get your beer and then go a bit further on and get your curry. And then, you know, you might the next day you might go down and get some sandwiches or soup or sushi. Mm. And all of those vessels will be managed in your Again Again account. But obviously you'll be buying it. Um, the food and the drinks from different companies. Yeah, those wider takeaway cup, uh, the, 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 the packaging um, options, like for you know, the curry or the, um, the the sushi tray, are they also in, in sight with um, the the crowdfund and the payments? Oh yes, it's all in sight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the problem is is you know it is it is eye wateringly large. It crosses all these industries. In food, there isn't a perceived common vessel the same way there is in coffee. So in the coffee, with the coffee industry, we chose to step in and, and we have put a common vessel in, into play. In the food industry, we felt that that wasn't appropriate because actually the type of bowl that you want to get your curry in is going to differ from the type of probably flatter square or tray that you're going to want to get sushi in. And so rather than trying to take on um, a, a, a shared ownership model of a vessel that was going to try and fill all of those gaps we decided that the better option would be to build the technology platform and allow the individual cafes to make their choices but it will work at different scales so it can work for an individual cafe who can loan out a, a, a vessel and bring it back just to that one the customer would have to bring it back just to that one cafe but it could equal, equally work for um 
multinational fast food companies <laughs> uh, who might say, okay, we're going to have a we're going to have a unit that is branded and um, named, and that unit can be checked out at any of our stores and also checked back in in any of our stores. And for some of those big multinational companies, of course, that even could cross countries. It wouldn't necessarily, you know, you could get on the plane in New Zealand and get off in Australia and check it in there. So so we won't be dictating the boundary. We won't be dictating anything, actually. There will be variants available for the type of vessel that is being used, where it can be picked up, where it can be uh, brought back to, and the time period that it will be loaned out for and the value of the of the vessel. So all of those things will be uh, able to vary depending on what is appropriate for the company who we are supporting. Oh, wow. And how's, how's the crowdfund going? So li- live now and um, 300k minimum um, and nothing nothing is taken in this equity crowdfund unless that minimum is um, met, I understand. And so, yes, yeah, how, how are things going? Um, great. So we're just on halfway um, through and we we reached our halfway mark a day or two ago. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting process, crowdfunding. It's terrifying because it's like public judgment. So you put your idea out and say, what do you think? Um, what we saw and apparently is quite a well-worn track is that all your mates invest in the first week. And then in the second week, you start to get people who don't know you personally, but are uh, um, enamored with the Kopapa and they start to put in mostly smaller investment investments. And then what is concurrently happening behind the scenes is that we're having conversations uh, with larger investors who really need to do a little bit more due diligence and need to have a bit more uh, understanding before they prepare to put larger amounts of money in. And that is all um, trucking along really nicely behind the scenes. So um, we've actually been thrilled with the amount of engagement that we have and the um, the, the the range of, of potential investors who have come forward to say, we like what you're doing, we can see that this is of value to us. And when they when they're doing that, it's a two-pronged approach because they can see that it's a, um, a viable um, financial investment, but it's also it's also producing something or, or aiming to produce something that is going to bring value to their businesses or their industries going forward. Um, and so that's been quite thrilling, actually. It, um, it it's there's there's nothing quite as validating as someone who or as a group who are already very well established in a market that sits alongside yours to come and say, we love what you're doing. Let's see how we can do that together. So that that's, uh, I guess, I didn't entirely expect that because I've been so focused on, on the financial side of it. Um, but it has been a really validating process to be on the receiving end of that. Yeah, that's great. People who really know the problem and see this as a as a good solution. And I guess with with you know equity crowdfunds, because it is for those smaller parts of the company, and they're seen um, and and kind of treated as one of those kind of higher risk investments, as the valuations and the like are done off projections and the like. So it does become a place where there really needs to be people who believe that the company should exist to carry this out and like want that financial outcome, but also really believe that the company should exist uh, to, to, to make that purpose come true in the world, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and social enterprise, even outside of crowdfunding, social enterprise sits in that space. So there is, there is a belief and a, 
a purpose with what we're doing, but there's also a, there's always going to be finances and profit. So we are very firmly of the belief, we are for profit unabashedly, and we're very firmly of the belief that you um, that by creating a profitable model that creates good in the world, that we can position ourselves to do a lot more of it and therefore do a lot more good. Um, we make no apology for having a profitable forecast. Yeah, and the problem, <laughs> you know, it's every rubbish bin. It's every office <laughs> refuse yeah. basket. It's every takeaway it really store. Is. It's enormous. It's so big that we almost, it's so present and in front of us that we've almost trained ourselves not to see it. Exactly. And remember too that the that the actual offending unit, the coffee cup or the sushi tray, is so small that it's very easy to say, Ah, oh, it's just one. Ah, oh, I just need a drink. I just need I just need some sushi. First world problem, but there you go. Um so it it's very easy to write off the problem because your tiny, tiny little part of the problem is easy to write off. But we just can't we can't keep pretending that it is not a collective problem and so there are there are you know every day there's a new waste reduction company comes to market or is crowdfunding or is you know doing great things but every single one of those companies or every single one of those community initiatives are going to be needed to really change the playbook because every single one of us has got a personal uh, involvement on a very small scale that collectively adds up to this massive problem. Yeah, and the trends are pointing in the more consumable, more disposable directions of increased delivery with Uber Eats and all of those kind of things. <laughs> more people spending more time on the on the move and, and eating out of home and all of these things, you know, like COVID's put a bit of a a bit of a kind of like um hold on some and increased some others. And so yeah, it's it's not a problem that's going away unless people people change it. But I, I, I think it's really important to remember that um, that whilst there is an increasing awareness and people want the problem solved, that is not necessarily, and in my experience or in our experience, often not mimicked by action. Yeah. So people say they want the problem solved, but they still get their takeaway coffee in the morning because actually there are other things that play in there it really is a journey for every individual person and the the two things i think i believe we believe that stand in the way of that behavior change is ease and cost and so until a system is as easy and costs as little as what we currently have we're never going to win and and i guess those two things really sit at the core of what it is that we are developing it um, is sacrosanct, really, that it needs to be free, provided it comes back. You obviously need to have a revenue stream in there somewhere. You can't give everything out for free always. So it needs to be free or dirt cheap, and it needs to be completely easy. Um, so we are working with those things. Um, it also, however, needs to be free and easy for the cafes. Now, that's a bit harder, of course, because the cafes the cafes do have to pay this monthly fee and they only get to realise free if they can really change that behaviour and see the cost savings in the single-use um, cuts. 
Our intention will be that as we bring the consumer into the revenue stream part of our business, that we'll be able to lower the fees for the cafes. And in doing that, we then really build on the network health and growth so that there's more cafes because there's more users and then more users because there's more opportunity and it will go round in that cycle until we, you know, we we really build something that's uh, omnipotent. Yeah, awesome. And what will... What will, success, what will success look like for you, Nada? Uh, great question. Success will look like the normalisation of reuse and takeaways. It will look like... It'll be a bit like smoking. You know, back in the day, smoking was considered normal. And these days, actually, it's considered abnormal. And so that's what success will look like for us. It will... It will be a societal change in expectation. And as a final thought, how can people get involved? How can they find out more and how can they perhaps support the kaupapa of the company? Well, the big, the, the big um, thing at the moment is that we're inviting people to invest. We're inviting people to put their uh, investment into the company to buy shares or pledge to buy shares through this crowdfunding campaign and therefore give us the, the, the oxygen to greenlight this project and make it go ahead. Uh, secondarily, but perhaps just as importantly, is to share the message. So whether people are in a position to invest their money or not, uh, tell the world, tell their friends, tell their professional networks, share it on social media to get the word, word out there that we've got, we've got a vision We've got the capability to um, to deliver on that. We just need the finances and to raise the capital to make that real. Oh, that's so cool. Well, thank you for sharing the story today of Again Again uh, and can't wait to see where you take it and best of luck. Uh, thank you, Nada Piantik, for joining us today. Thank you very much, Simon. Thanks for your time and for your support. Thank you to Tina Tiller for producing and thank you for having us along in your ears. Cheers. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound and brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.